the Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, John. You know that. Yay! <laughs> I love it in Flint! You're very astute, folks. <laughs> Not an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, oh, that's a very good question. Uh, hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky day, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom, how are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. I got them... Fuck! 
And welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program. My guest this hour is a native of uh, Long Island who practices law, but has a new book talking about his experience uh getting drawn into staying in and eventually escaping a cult. The book is called Manhattan Cult Story, My Unbelievable True Story of Sex, Crimes, Chaos, and Survival by Spencer Schneider, who joins me by phone. Spencer, good morning and welcome to the show. Good morning, Tom. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. Um, you know, this, this is going to sound... A, a little bit insensitive, but how does somebody with your background and and you grew up pretty pretty privileged and ended up becoming an attorney? How do you get drawn into a cult? It seems almost like maybe you were suckered a little bit. Yeah, I mean that is a, a, a very good and common question. Um, because I think there is, you know, a misconception that, you know, if you're educated or privileged or, which I am, you know, um, that you're not susceptible to being tricked. And, um, and, and the other part of that isn't, isn't just being tricked, but also being needy in a way that allows you to be tricked. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, I think everybody is needy and wants to have what I looked for and thought I found, um, which is, you know, friendship, community, meaning, and a sense of belonging. And I think that's a very natural thing to have. It was just that the way this group operated was that they really did provide that, at least at the beginning. Um, and then gradually it changed. Well, you write that you were relieved. Um, you, were, you were a little bit suspicious when a friend invited you to a very secretive meeting. And then you got there and looked around, and it was mostly made up of professionals very much like yourself, and and it seemed more like a clique than a cult. Oh, absolutely. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know um, if I would say a click, but it was. Uh, it, I was told that I was going to basically classes a couple of times a week where we would talk about philosophy and two particular philosophers and that this would be very helpful for our lives and you know i mean that appealed to me i think that would appeal to a lot of people not everybody but it was something that appealed to me and um you know it just seemed like going to a class you know um and that was it really that was the, the what i saw when i got there Something that that got my attention from your book, and and I'm going to be honest with you, Spencer, I've yeah. I've had a half a dozen guests over the years that uh, were part of cults and and escaped under a variety of circumstances, but the cult leaders were all male. That wasn't the case with this particular group. School, right. school, as it yeah. was called. Uh, right. Can you talk a little bit about the cult leader? Because I think it's somewhat unusual that a woman would play this role. Cults are typically very patriarchal. No one has asked me that question, and I think that's a great one because it does distinguish uh, uh, the group that I was in from a lot of others, and I think it's it, with some significance. So the leader of the group... Uh, was a woman named Sharon Gans. And let me just say that she passed away a year and a half ago, but the group still does uh, exist. Okay, it still does exist, and it's led by two women and two men. All right. So, you know, uh, this woman was extremely charming, very smart, um, and made you feel really good. Um, but she could also make you feel really bad. And she was, you know, worshipped by the rest of the group in a way that really, you know, was very convincing, you know, and it made you not question her. And that leads to all kinds of problems. But I think she had this kind of maternal aspect to her that was appealing to a lot of people, you know. It wasn't um, so... uh, I don't know. There was something about a maternal as opposed to a paternal thing that I think was appealing to a lot of people. And, you know, with a, a feminine leader in, in a situation like this, in a cult situation, I, I would think that the usual red flags wouldn't go off. You would recognize yeah. aggression more quickly in, right. in a male cult leader. And... and uh, that just makes me wonder how she was able to exercise control over the group. Right. Well, she um, uh, ruled with an iron fist. And so, like I say, uh, she drew you in by her kindness and her sort of maternal aspects. But she had a different side to her that was really quite strict and demanded uh, full attention. And she would be able to actually get involved in people's lives in a way that maybe a man wouldn't. I mean, a lot of cult leader men, men cult leader, you know, they are, you know, just downright abusive um, physically and, you know, maybe sexually. But Sharon was, you know, more verbally and psychologically. And she got into people's lives. Like, you know, she would get involved in people's marriages and child rearing 
you know, kind of things that you would expect, you know, that maybe it's more of a feminine thing than a masculine thing to be involved in those things. But that created lots of problems for a lot of people, um, which, you know, I can get into more, but um, that's just the overview of it. Well, let, let, let's talk about the uh, the progression a little bit, because sure. you joined and it seemed very warm and friendly and inviting and she was charming and all of those things existed. And then at some point you felt really locked into this thing. You stayed part of this group for over 20 years. Right. Um, when did you realize that it was a bad thing? Well, it was good and bad for about half of the time, and then really bad for the second half. Um, and when I realized that, I'd say midway through, I was in too deep. Um, and there were so many strings that kept me in that it was really hard to do, get what, out. And that's What do those yeah. strings look like? Yeah. So for me, and for a lot of people, okay, so several. One is, I was under the impression, false impression, that the good things happening in my life were a result of my membership in the group, that it was giving me more meaning in my life, that I was doing better in my job, um, and that, you know, uh, uh, which was not true, but it gives the illusion of that. The other thing is, once you leave, you're out of the group. You have no connection. So, um, you know, all the friends go away, all the community goes away, um, and, and whatnot. And then the other thing was, I had these other strings, which were, I was married to somebody in the group. And if I had left, that would have uh, hurt the marriage. Um, and I was also doing business with someone in the group. Did you get married and while that part of the well. group, or did you draw a spouse into this group after you were there? No, this, uh, I, I met her in the group. Okay. And, um, yeah, and I, that was part of, uh, you know, what, what happened to me was, you know, I got involved, um, someone I liked very much, but I don't know if we were a good match, but the leader really pressed it, uh, that we get, uh, together. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, we did divorce later on down the road, but, um, uh, you know, that was, you know, sort of a pressured, arranged type of marriage. So, um, Did you ever have kids? Yeah, we have a wonderful son. And and did that son, was that son born during the time you were part of school? Yes. And I should point out that none of the children attended meetings, and they were kind of kept uh, out of the whole, uh, the whole, um, you know, school, uh, involved, you know, environment. So children weren't invited to group, to the groups and they weren't part of it. More about the Manhattan cult story with author Spencer Schneider straight ahead. Everybody's doing a brand new dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner and you're listening to the Tom Sumner program. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. 
you can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. Do you ever feel like you need an attitude adjustment? Are you wishing there was a magic pill or a new app for your mobile device? Why don't you try live local music? Music can make you dance, bring back fond memories, inspire you to be more creative, whether you attend a child's school concert or recital, go to a local symphony concert, visit local bars and restaurants that feature dance music, sing-along piano, or jazz and blues. Music could be just what you're looking for. Supporting live local music is more than a way to support your local artists and economy. It's a great way to improve your own quality of life. Support live local music. This message is brought to you from the Tom Objection. I object. I object to that, Your Honor. Oh, hi, Mom. What's up? Dana, what are you doing? Oh, you know, just um, Attorney General stuff. Listen, I have a legal question. What is it, Mom? I just got a call from the water company. Apparently, your father has not been paying the bill. I guess they're going to turn the water off because we owe more than $1,000 now. Can you believe it? Actually, I can't. So listen, we just have to send them $200 in Edible Arrangements gift cards and that will keep the water on. Now, here's the legal question. What is the website for Edible Arrangements? Mom, it's an imposter scam. Imposter scam. Is that .com or .edu? No, the call was a scam. Scammers will pretend to be a government agency or a utility company or someone else you might do business with. A big red flag is if they tell you that you can pay them using gift cards. So when in doubt, ask for the information to be sent to you in writing. And never give a caller or someone you don't know your personal information or your money. If you do suspect an imposter scam, Report it to my office at mi.gov slash agcomplaints. Okay, all right. And Dina, where do I file a complaint that my daughter hasn't visited in over a month? Does your office have a website for that? Okay, Mom, I'm hanging up now. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. Hi, this is Deb Cherry, Genesee County Treasurer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Radio Show. More about the Manhattan cult story with author Spencer Schneider straight ahead.
you know, it just seems it it seems hard to imagine, and perhaps you can explain it a little bit, having been inside, that something that you do, um, an activity, uh, a, a group that you belong to, uh, classes yep. that you take, you know, the, right. the so-called school, right? That you would spend some time there, and you would be, you know, part of it. But then you leave, and you go out, and you live in the real world, and you hold down a job, and you have clients, and you interact with other people. It seems hard to believe that once you started feeling trapped or or that this was a negative thing, you know, you were 10 years into it, that that you continued to go back. Yeah. Well, it's the, it's sort of the, 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 the genius of... Well, the evil genius of the leader, and I think it's a characteristic of, uh, characteristic of a lot of abusive relationships that you know you see um, couples, you know, in the situation, usually women who are involved with you know guys who are abusive. And well, why don't they leave those relationships? You know, that's a that's a big question, and and it's just uh, you know there are so many. Um, uh, feelings of insecurity that they that they can't do any better, that they really don't deserve any better, and you know those kind of feelings um, dominated me and a lot of people. And um, you know, I did go about my life, and I was able to uh, function, but it, towards the end, I didn't, and that's kind of what happened. And when I when it fell apart, um, uh, so that's that's where that goes but um you know now, for many years i was able to function escaping a cult for most people uh, that phrase conjures up this image of uh, a compound where everyone right. lives and you're watched 24 hours a day and you you have to actually hatch a plan you know to get away right. um what was escape like from this particular kind of connection Gosh, that's a great question. It, it and and it, and it's uh, not unique. I will say, you know, Scientology. A lot of people believe, and I think uh, that has, is a cult, a Nexium, uh, that group up in Albany. Um, very similar. People came and went. You know, they weren't on a compound. But escaping this means a psychological break. I mean, certainly, I stopped going to classes. Um, but the, you know, for years I had to sort of undo the psychological, uh, compound I was on, so to speak, because my mind was so brainwashed to think in a certain way that, um, I had to undo that. So it, that's really what, what it means to escape, which is means to escape the thoughts and the mindset. Were there other people that that you got to know well inside the group that um, that maybe came to the same conclusion and left? And and do you associate with those people still? Yes, um, yes, I, I I have met and uh, you know a lot of survivors, uh, you know, who I knew, you know, a lot of people who I knew in the group and who got escaped. Um, I have uh, reconnected with after I left, and um, those relationships are really good to have because we shared this, you know, common situation. 
Um, and I've also met a lot of people who were in the group who I did not know, and I formed friendships with them. And then there are people who are just leaving now. Um, like this group, you know, is very active, and there are people leaving now who have come to me because I'm public about this. I'm really the only person who is, I am the only person who is, uh, you know, written a book about it and talked about it and, um, you know, put my name out there. Um, uh, so I have, you know, I sort of, you know, aggregating or attracting a lot of people to talk about it to me. The name of the book is Manhattan Cult Story. It's written by uh, my guest, Spencer Schneider. And, uh, Spencer, you said something a little earlier about, in the, in the at least in the first half of the time you were part of the part of school, as it's called, um, you were um, experiencing good and bad. There was good and bad in it that you could recognize. What were some of the good things? Well, um... I mean, was is it is yeah. it something that's that's kind of maybe a little nebulous, like a sense of belonging, and you know some of those kinds of things, or 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 was there information? Were there lessons? Was there mm-hmm. something about sharing with other people yeah. that you carried away from the group as lifelong positives? Yeah. Well, I don't think I've held on to any of those things that I felt were so helpful back then. Because it, it, you know, it leaves a bad taste in my mouth. But at the time, you know, there was sort of this spiritual element of it that it was not really something that was in my life. You know, I was secular, secular religious, and not, you know, uh, so this was something new. Uh, and I liked, you know, the the philosophy um, that had a sort of spiritual element to it. You know, about, um, uh, you know, I could detail a little bit. You know, just certain things about like you know, being present to yourself and, you know, more awake and aware about yourself and your surroundings and treating people in, in a respectful way. And, and just, you know, all these, I guess, you know, golden rule type of things, right? Um, so those, that was very helpful to me. Um, you know, I think I've sort of, adopt, you know, I, I think I <laughs> treat myself and treat other people well now, but I didn't really, uh, you know, I don't subscribe to it the way they taught it back then, let's say. You know, I've kind of reinvented it for myself. When you started realizing that you were connected to something that maybe wasn't good for you, right. um, what did that do to your emotional state? Uh, were you were you depressed? Were you unhappy? Or... Or were you able to, you know, continue to, to coast along with your head up and a smile? Yeah, it, uh, it's a great question. I was able to function, you know, um, get through my day, wake up, do my job, uh, do my obligations. But um, there were symptoms that something was wrong. Um, uh, you know, I didn't eat as much. <laughs> I stopped eating, really. That was one thing. 
I know a lot of people would think that's a good thing, but it's not. Yeah, I was just thinking, I wish I could do that for a couple right. of months. <laughs> right. But, you know, it's a symptom of, of depression. I just didn't have yeah. any desire to that. And things that I liked doing, I didn't want to do anymore, really. I didn't have, like, an interest in, you know, um, some sports I did and, you know, uh, other creative things and seeing friends and, uh, you know, going out and, and whatnot. That became less important. And then I started having, you know, suicidal ideations, you know, which is not a good thing. Um, it's very uh, dis- disruptive. It's it's terrible. It's dangerous, you know. And, and if people have that, they should, you know, uh, absolutely ask for help. There's a hotline, 988, you could call now. I'm just throwing that out there because when you talk about this, I think it's important for people not to uh, indulge in, those thoughts because they're not normal and um so that was the big red flag for me that something was really bad what made you decide to share your experience in a book this way um a a lot of people spencer would would tend to not want to talk about it, to bury it in the past, and just move on. What what made you want to share the experience? <laughs> the first emotion was the anger. I was just so angry, and you know, I'm a lawyer, <laughs> and uh, you know, I fi- I'm a fighter. You know, um, uh, you know, I think through things. I don't just like punch people. You know, but. If I feel there's an injustice or a wrong, uh, and I'm angry, I'll fight. So that was the first emotion. But, you know, it changed over time, you know, because you can't just write an angry book. No one's going to buy that or read it. or And it wouldn't serve me any function or anybody else, you know. So I decided that, you know, I would write about it um, and talk about it in a way that would be helpful to other people and to, to just, you know, explain, like, what's it like to get drawn into, uh, you know, a belief system or friendships or relationships that are unhealthy. And then also give people hope because I wanted to explain how well health I got out of it. Uh, you can too. You know, I'm not any... Uh, <laughs> I have no special recipe on this. I really don't. I mean, you know, a lot of people doubt my credibility, you know. Um, well, speaking uh, of, of recipes and and, uh, and and credibility, after you've written this book and, and since you've looked back at your experience, do you share in the book some some red flags that that people might be able to take notice of to maybe not get drawn into yeah a cult or or uh, a cult like situation yeah i think so and i should re 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 um phrase what i said i thought people would doubt my credibility you know but they don't. I mean, I'm I'm a practicing lawyer. I still have great clients. I've gotten more clients. You know, this has not affected my credibility. In fact, I think it's enhanced it because I, I tried to be honest about it. And in terms of red flags, I just described my, my experience, you know. And I think 
But are uh, there certain of, things that, that might be yes. said or done that yes. people might be on the lookout for? <clears throat> yeah. So I've, yes, there are a number of things. And I outline, you know, I describe it in the book, but then I sort of have a, at the end of the book, I have like the hallmarks of, a, of you know, a cult. And I think they're pretty straightforward. And, and, and I think they also distinguish from other groups where people are very passionate about, because that's not the defining factor. The defining factor is really, uh, you know, a, a charismatic leader, right, who exploits members for money and power um, uh, or other things. And well, who does that sound like? <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, take your pick. I mean, uh, look, half the country thinks the other half of the country has a cult leader leading them. You know, it's just a fact. That's <laughs> true. Mean, no, that's absolutely yeah. true. That's what came to mind. Yep. Yep. And it depends where you sit on the spectrum. Um, but, uh, you know, I think um, uh, uh, there is some truth to it on both sides, you know. But, you know, the question, I mean, then the question becomes, I mean, I think the dividing line is, you know, who's being exploited, and, and you know, I, I can't answer that question. I don't know if you want me to. Well, people but, have to answer these questions for themselves. That's right. And, and I, you know, trying to draw from you, Spencer, some, some tools or lessons learned that you might pass along so people can better decide for themselves yeah. what works. Yeah. All right. So, look, <clears throat> charismatic leader, exploitation, um, a leader who doesn't tolerate any kind of dissent. Um, people are ostracized once they leave and denigrated um, and bad-mouthed. Um, uh, you know, um, strict rules and punishment for violating them. Was Sharon um, still running the, the group when you left? Yeah, she was. She was. Um and sure enough, I was ostracized when I left. I didn't, I wasn't, uh, how you know. do, How does a, a cult leader like Sharon of a very secretive cult right. ostracize someone who left? I, I mean, they, they're so underground, who would even yeah. hear it? Well, uh, the, 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 the sense is, you know, that ostracizing means that, you know, people who are in the group will not talk to you. You know, they will not um, uh, meet with you. Okay. They will not see you and, and whatnot. So that's how they did that. And, um, you know, when I was in the group and people left, I never called them. I was afraid to. I mean, it was a rule. And if you violated the rule, you could get kicked out. So that's how that worked. Were the were rules like that spelled out, or were they just sort of understood from the way things were practiced? Spelled out day one. I mean, really? I heard that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when we went there the first time, a bunch of rules were laid out. One is you don't um, talk about it. It's kind of like Fight Club, you know, that movie. Uh, yeah. The first rule of Fight Club is... You know, you don't talk about Fight Club. The second rule is you don't talk about Fight Club. Same thing with school. The, the, the other thing is we were told we're not to contact each other ever. You know, even when you're in the group, you don't call each other or anything. You would only talk to each other when you're there. So that implied 
this thing of not talking to each other when you left. But when we, uh, and that was continued. Um, there were a lot of other rules uh, spelled out at the beginning. Um, uh, you know, you don't challenge um, a leader or a teacher. Sharon wasn't the only teacher. There were others. You don't challenge them. You, you have to accept what they say. That's not a good rule. <laughs> but it's not a good rule. It, 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 it went against everything I believed. And it took me a while to follow that rule. But when I did, it became a dangerous thing. So that's a, another red flag, you know. Well, it's it's a, a fascinating story and and a little different than your average uh, cult tale, if you will, because, um, like I said earlier, Spencer, you know, when you say cult, we automatically imagine a, a compound in Wyoming or Montana or Utah or someplace where there's 150 people living under, <laughs> you know, an obsessive leader. And and it's very different than, uh, than, than this group that calls itself school in Manhattan. <laughs> you know, it just... It, it, yeah. It, it's just a very different thing. And the fact that it had a woman leader is, is a very different part of this story. And I think one that makes it... Um, unique and, and interesting. I'm curious, after having written this book, and, and I know that your work probably has um, gives you reason to do a good deal of writing, but have you got the bug? Do you, do you think there there is another book or future books yeah. uh, coming yeah. on the horizon for Spencer Schneider? Yeah, thank you for asking. Yes, absolutely. Well, one is I'm, I was thinking of maybe you know sort of you know explaining more about um, you know just cults in general and identifying them then and talking about like you know how how you can survive that you know that's one natural thing but I have some other stories I have one about um, it's sort of a fictional story about uh, lifeguards and because I'm a lifeguard now in my second uh, half of my at, life. At the ocean. Yeah, 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 I'm an ocean lifeguard. I mean, that's a so little my, different than, you know, sitting around the pool drinking Mai Tais. <laughs> absolutely, yes, yeah, yeah. But this was, a, this is, I'm thinking of a lifeguard story that's sort of like a, a mobster lifeguards. Like, you know, when they're not <laughs> lifeguarding, they're, they have this sort of mobster life. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, well I'll keep I, you posted about it. I wish you would. Uh, and and I have a title for your book about cults. Okay, tell me. Cults We Love to Hate. That's a great one. <laughs> I don't know why. It just popped into my head as you were talking about digging up I, cults. But that, but I, the whole point is that that's, that's at the heart of most cults is this love-hate relationship. That's right. And uh, let me add something that a good point uh, that you raised, which is that I didn't think I was, I mean, nobody thinks they're in a cult, you know, but I really didn't think I was in a cult because it doesn't look or sound like a cult, you know, it's not on a compound. And, you know, I wasn't, um, you know, I didn't have six wives and, you know, all these other type of things, you know. 
So that's why I felt it was important to create this, um, the book as a, as a, um, you know, a warning, you know, for a cautionary tale, if you will. Well, Spencer, we're uh, just about out of time, and I always want to give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and your work, past, present, and future. Also, uh, you know, obviously a good place to start is reading the book, Manhattan Cult Story, My Unbelievable True Story of Sex, Crimes, Chaos, and Survival by Spencer Schneider. Spencer, do you have a website you'd like to share? Yes, it's um, www.spencer-schneider. It's S-P-E-N-C-E-R hyphen Schneider, S-C-H-N-E-I-D-E-R.com. Well, Spencer, it's been a real, uh, a real pleasure getting to know you a little bit and uh, chatting, and thank you for sharing uh, some of your story with me and the listeners. And uh, keep up the good work. Thank you so much. I had a really good time talking to you. A lot of fun. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Again, Spencer Schneider. The book is Manhattan Cult Story, and we'll have more of the Tom Sumner program. fighting crime. I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck out.
East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call the X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. Cloth or disposable? Paint or wallpaper? Yellow or green? Babies come with lots of decisions. Crib or bassinet? Rocker or glider? So when it comes to protection against diseases, go with the safest, most effective choice. Vaccination. To protect your child against 14 serious childhood diseases like measles, meningitis, and whooping cough. That's why nearly all parents choose it. Stroller or carriage. Basketball or soccer. So get all the recommended vaccinations for your baby by age two. For more reasons to vaccinate, talk to your child's doctor. Go to cdc.gov vaccines or call 800-CDC-INFO. Justin or Justine. Immunizations help give you the power to protect your baby. A message from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Hey, why are we stopping? We're going to be late for the show. Mom, Dad, we got to get gas. Not here, you're not. This place is charging an arm and a leg. Look, these days, price swings of 30 or 40 cents per gallon aren't unusual. But when a gas station charges a price way above the price at similar stations, that could be gas gouging. Michigan gas stations sell the correct quality and quantity of gas most of the time. But when a station does try to illegally take advantage of drivers, my office is here to stop them. Stop Attorney General and we got a concert to get to! I hope she doesn't sit next to us. Narc. This is Attorney General Dana Nessel. If you have information about potential gas gouging, call my office or go online at michigan.gov slash ag. Put those away. We're at a gas station.
This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Another five-minute mystery. Our story takes place in Green's Gap, a small town in the Southern Cavern District. Green's Gap Hospital, Dr. Melville speaking. Doctor, doctor, there's been an accident out at Echo Cavern. Accident? What kind of accident? Two men were exploring and they got lost last night. One's unconscious. You better come quick before he's dead. I hope you know how to get out to Echo Cavern, Lem. Well, with the job of being town constable and ambulance driver, I reckon I know all there is to know about these parts. Ever been in the cavern, Lem? Once, Doc Melville, when I was a boy. Nearly got my hide tanned off by my paw. Echo Cavern's a mighty treacherous place. You mean it's easy to get lost in it? Not only that, Doc. It's that cavern gas carbine. Mm, something. You mean carbon dioxide? Yeah, that's it. All of a sudden, you run into some of that stuff, and before you know it, Bean, you're out. Still, people seem to be going uh, exploring in there. More fools to be. I wouldn't go into them caverns, at least till I was not without a dog. A dog? What for? Well, if a dog keels over, then you know the gas is collecting. I'm afraid, Mr. Gaddy, your friend is dead. Oh, poor Patsy. It wasn't from the gas, was it, Doc? That's what it looks like to me. Why'd you go into that cavern anyway? Patsy asked me to. We'd never seen a cave before. How far did you go in? Well, it didn't seem very far, but all of a sudden we lost our way. Where was that? Well, how do I know whereabouts it was if we was lost? We tried to trace our way back, but it was no use. Patsy started to get scared. It's kind of funny to see a big guy like that get scared. Yeah, he is rather big, isn't he? Yeah, six foot four. The mob used to call us Mutt and Jeff. And then what happened? Well, I was a little scared myself, but we stuck together. You know, walking in the dark with only my flash from the car. All of a sudden, Pat's keeled over. From the gas? Yeah, that's what I figured. His head hit on a rock, and I guess that just about finished him off. I suppose you reckon yourself pretty lucky, mister. Yeah, sure, I figure it's because I'm only five foot three that I got out of there alive. Gas must have been just about a foot over my head. Yeah, and what do you think about that, Doc Melville? I think you better arrest Mr. Gotti for the murder of his friend Patsy. What was the flaw in Gaddy's story? Do you know it? In a moment, we'll hear from Lem and Dr. Melville. And now, let's see whether you're as observant as Lem and the doctor. Hey, copper, let me put my hands down. They're tired. When you're in Green Gap's jail, not before. I don't get it. It was a good story. I still can't figure out how you found out. Lem tells me they used to take dogs in the cavern because the gas is heavier than air. It collects on the floor. If you really meant gas, you would have keeled over first, before your pal Patsy. Well, what do you know? I tell you, nowadays in this murder racket, you need a college education. Another five-minute mystery. This five-minute mystery featured the voices of Rhonda Groves Young, Randy Zimmerman, Sean Cantwell, and yours truly, Tom Sumner. Stay tuned to the Tom Sumner Program for future mini-mysteries.
for a new generation. Tom Sumner Program.com. Tom Sumner Program.com. The Tom Sumner Program.com. From the Tom Sumner Show. Oh, yeah. Well, I saw a car the other day. It's made me turn my head. A little tiny SUV Cadillac, the bumper red. You see, a caddy should be big and wide, and roomy as you please. You can almost live inside. No need for your squeeze. That ain't no Cadillac. Don't try to fool me. Show me nothing at all Check this out When you're cruising down the road You got to have some room No little itty bitty piece of crumb Gonna put me in the mood And when it comes to getting around You know the size is where it's at You ladies know what I'm talking about Show me nothing at
summer room No little bit of pizza chrome Gonna put me in the mood When it comes to getting around Size is where it's at The ladies know what I'm talking about The ride is long and fat That ain't no Camelot Don't try to fool me Alexander Zanjic, don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner. 